This evening, looking at the whole of Psalm 8, I say the whole of Psalm 8, it is only nine verses. The title of my sermon is, Jesus Made a Little Lower Than the Angels. Jesus Made a Little Lower Than the Angels. And as we embark upon looking at Psalm 8, albeit for a brief time this evening, what is far from certain is the meaning of that that word in the superscript. I think you can guess the word I mean there. Gitteth. I'm not even sure I've pronounced it right there. The superscript is part of the inspired word. But as to what that word means, I haven't got a clue. Um, There are various explanations given by the commentators, the scholars. I don't propose to spend our time considering any of them with you and quite frankly I don't think it really matters uh, let's get get into the psalm itself and what is not in doubt is the identity of the inspired pen man as can be seen psalm 8 is one of the 75 psalms of David he wrote a lot of psalms didn't he although there might be a reference to an incident or a battle that David was involved in, and of course he was involved in many battles, many wars with the the nations in Canaan. First and foremost, it is a psalm in which David extols the greatness of God. That's primarily what it's all about. All you have to do is look at the first and last verses to see that. Let's have a look at them again now. Verse 1. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth, who has set thy glory above the heavens. And then the last verse, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. See what I mean there? It's all about praising the Lord, Almighty God. Also, Psalm 8 serves as a a devotional passage concerning the creation accounts, particularly in uh, chapter 1 of Genesis. You read Genesis chapter 1, uh, we, we get that blow-by-blow account of creation, the six days of creation. And this serves, Psalm 8 serves very well as a devotional uh, concerning God's handiwork in creation. But having said all of that, Psalm 8 is a prophecy concerning the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. As Luther said, this is a prophecy concerning Christ. Concerning his passion, in other words his sufferings, his resurrection and his dominion over all creatures. This is a psalm about Jesus When you look at verse 1, looking at the psalm now, starting with verse 1, look at verse 1 and also verse 9. God is referred to as Lord in uppercase and also Lord in lowercase letters. You see that, don't you? Verse 1, Lord in all capital letters and then Lord, capital L, small o-r-d. The uppercase Lord also known as Jehovah, is the proper name 
of the one true God. And it speaks of such characteristics as his self-existence, his eternality, and that he is the creator of all things. As for David also saying, Lord, in lowercase letters, that refers to God being the sovereign master. When David, the king of Israel, said, O Lord, our Lord, he was declaring the only true God whose name is Jehovah or Jehovah. We know the Lord as Jehovah to be his master and his ruler and also the master of all of God's covenant people. Obviously, not just David's Lord, but the Lord of all who are in covenant with him, such as the children of Israel in the Old Testament. For example, let me just read this to you. Exodus chapter 6, verses 2 through to 8. It's a record of God speaking to Moses about 500 years. 500 years before David wrote Psalm 8. It is written, And God spake unto Moses, and said unto him, I am the Lord, that is Jehovah. And I appeared unto Abraham, unto Isaac, and unto Jacob, by the name of God Almighty, but by my name Jehovah was I not known to them. And I have also established my covenant with them, his covenant with the children of Israel, to give them the land of Canaan, the land of their pilgrimage, wherein they were strangers. And I have also heard the groaning of the children of Israel, whom the Egyptians keep in bondage. And I have remembered my covenant. Wherefore, or therefore, say unto the children of Israel, I am the Lord. Again, that's Lord in capital letters, Jehovah. And I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will rid you out of their bondage, and I will redeem you with a stretched out arm and with great judgments, and I will take you to me for a people, and I will be to you a God, and ye shall know that I am the Lord, Jehovah, your God, which bringeth you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will bring you in unto the land concerning the which I did swear to give it to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, and I will give it you for an heritage, or an inheritance. I am the Lord, Jehovah. Very clear in that lovely passage, Exodus chapter 6. The Lord, God is declaring himself to be Jehovah to his covenant people, the children of Israel. That he would be with them. He would redeem them with a stretched out arm. He would deliver them from bondage. And that he would give them Canaan as their heritage. The name of God, as we see it written in verse 1 of Psalm 8, refers to all that he has made known to his creatures concerning himself in his creation. David describes God's name as excellent. We see that there in verse 1. Excellent or majestic or glorious in all the earth. As for the angels in heaven, as I was looking at verse 1, it reminded me of Isaiah uh, chapter 
9, I think, or chapter 6, I can't remember now. Isaiah, someone will tell me which one it is now. Where the angels in heaven call one to another, saying, Holy, Holy, Holy. Isaiah 6. Isaiah 6, I'm told. Thank you, Donald. Holy, Holy, Holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. More than that, God has set his glory, which has no limits and is endless, above the heavens. His whole, the whole earth is filled with his glory, but the glory of God extends beyond the earth. Look at verse 2. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength because of thine enemies, that thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger. Spurgeon made the following comment. How often will children tell us of a God whom we have forgotten? How doth their simple prattle refute those learned fools who deny the being of God? When we were singing our first hymn, I remember singing that hymn when I was at school. How great is God Almighty who hath made all things well. I sung that at school. I don't suppose they sing that in the schools now. Little children singing that song about God's creation. Many men have been made to hold their tongues, said Spurgeon, while sucklings have borne witness to the glory of the God of heaven. We see an example of that a thousand years after David wrote Psalm 8, when the children in the temple cried out, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. That was in reference to Jesus. Hosanna to the son of David. The chief priests and the scribes who were sore, displeased, said to the Lord Jesus Christ, Hearest thou what these say? And Jesus said to them, Yea, have ye never read, out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, thou hast perfected praise? Even a newborn babe with its incoherent gurgling sounds bears testimony to the creative handiwork of Almighty God. Looking at verse 3. When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, As we continue to consider the excellence of God as seen in his creative handiwork, verse 3 lifts our contemplations way above the earth to the heavens or to the firmament, which to us creatures is seemingly boundless. As soon as I see that verse, verse 3, my meditations are lifted way above the heavens and they become fixed upon the Lord Jesus Christ, who is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. I marvel as I consider that according to Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 10 in the New Testament, the Son of God is said to have laid the foundation of the earth and the heavens are the work of his hands. 
All of that, again, seemingly boundless to us. And yet we read that Jesus laid the foundations of the earth and the heavens are the work of his hands. Bear that in mind when you read, next time you read Genesis chapter 1, the account of creation and verse 16 where it says, And God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. And then remember that Jesus laid the foundation of the earth and the heavens. When you look up to the heavens and you see all those stars, the work of his hands. I've said this so many times. One of the most spectacular scenes ever in my life was seeing God's firework display. When I was laying on the desert floor in Rajasthan in India. I was out camel trekking with Pauline and you can imagine night time came no artificial lights for miles and miles and we laid down to sleep I just looked up to the sky and what a spectacle it was stars everywhere a few nights ago I was out with Teddy my dog uh, Archie rather my dog just walking around at night time And I looked up and I could see a few stars. It was quite a nice thing to see. But I tell you, I had nothing on what I saw that night in the middle of nowhere. Again, we read of the Lord Jesus Christ, that he laid the foundation of the earth and the heavens are the work of his hands. And as you read Psalm 19, verse 1, Another psalm of David, that is, I think. The heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth his handiwork, the handiwork of Almighty God. Let's have a look at verses 4 through to 6. What is man that thou art mindful of him and the son of man that thou visitest him? For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels And has crowned him with glory and honour. Thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet. People might look at those verses and imagine that those verses are about mankind. About us. Especially when they are read alongside Genesis chapter 1. Verse 26 through to 28, where it is written, And God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the flesh of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image, In the image of God created him, male and female created he them. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it. Listen to this, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. 
Again, that's Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 through to 28. So, yes, God most certainly has given dominion of his creation to mankind, to us. And what a mess we've made of it, haven't we? Terrible mess. But ultimately, the man, in verses 4 through to 6, is the Lord Jesus Christ. Which should come as no great surprise when you consider that it has already been seen that it is Jesus who ordained strength or praise out of the mouth of babes in verse 2. And in verse 3, the heavens are the work of his hands. We've already attributed verses 2 and 3 to the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. Jehovah Jesus. And so it continues. Hebrews chapter 2. Again, we've already looked at Jesus in chapter 1 of Hebrews. The heavens are the work of his hands. But in chapter 2, it categorically tells us that the man that David is talking about here in Psalm 8 is the Lord Jesus Christ. Before his incarnation, of course. I'll read to you from Hebrews chapter 2, verse 6 through to 9, and you'll see what I mean. But one, that's David, in a certain place testified, saying, What is man that thou art mindful of him? David is referring to, this is a reference to Psalm 8. Or the son of man that thou visitest him. Thou madest him a little lower than the angels. Thou crownest him with glory and honour. And didst set him over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that he put all in subjection under him. He left nothing that is not put under him. But now we see not yet all things put under him. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honour, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. So David, who wrote this psalm, as I say, a thousand years before Jesus came into the world, he was writing prophetically here about the Lord Jesus Christ, his suffering and his exaltation. With the help of the additional information that I've just read to you from Hebrews chapter 2 in the New Testament, when we look at Psalm 8, we see that Jesus being made a little lower than the angels refers to his humiliation, to the time in history when he made himself of no reputation And he took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. But then came the exaltation of the man Christ Jesus when he was raised from the dead and he was given power in heaven and in earth. As can be seen in verse 5, God has crowned him with glory and honour 
and has made him to have dominion over the works of his hands. By now your heart ought to be bowed low in humble adoration and praise. For worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honour and glory and blessing. I say that your heart ought to be bowed low, but for most people in the world, that is not the case. Despite the fact that in his creative handiwork, God has manifested the things that may be made known about him, such as his eternal power and his Godhead, sinful men nevertheless sinful men nevertheless say in their rebellious hearts that there is no god this is despite god declaring himself in the things that he has made they say there is no god they blaspheme his holy name and they transgress his law which is written into the conscience of every one of us There are those who dare to call themselves Jehovah's Witnesses, aren't there? I've already told you that Lord in capital letters in verse 1 and verse 9 means Jehovah or Jehovah. And that's the covenant name of God. It speaks of his eternality, his infinite being, his power, his glory. But there are those who call themselves Jehovah's Witnesses, yet far from being God's covenant people, believing that Jesus is the Son of God, that he is crowned with glory and honour, they simply believe that the man Jesus is dead, forever dead, to quote the words of their founder. All who reject the Lord Jesus Christ are most certainly not God's covenant people. They are not his children and they have no excuse. The day will come when Jesus will come in judgment. And when that day comes, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Finally, in verse 1, we saw that the name of God is excellent in all the earth. Where name, look at that again, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. Name refers to everything that God has made known about himself in his creation. But you know what? There's something even greater than that. Something even greater than God declaring himself in his creative handiwork. And that is his word, which he has magnified above all that he has made known about himself in his creation. I'm talking about the Bible here. As David said in Psalm 138 verse 2, Thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. That really is something to consider and to take very seriously indeed. The word, the Bible, where you can find the gospel of Christ, which is the power of God 
unto salvation to everyone that believeth. The gospel plainly tells us that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. That he was nailed to a cross. That he was lifted up to die. Bearing in his own body the sins of all who would ever trust in him. Furthermore, the gospel that we find carefully preserved, recorded for us in the Bible, tells us that Jesus was raised from the dead on the third day. The older ones in here will probably have heard of Helen Shapiro. I'd like to see some hands here, I'm curious. Yeah, there's a few of us. You as well? Oh yes. Yeah. She was a pop sensation in the 60s, the 1960s. Anyway, at the age of 41, she trusted in Jesus as her saviour from sin. And she went on to produce many gospel songs, which I've enjoyed listening to over the years. One of those songs has the words, Jesus, Yeshua. You came a little lower than the angels to humble yourself, only to be exalted. Clearly, Helen Shapiro was able to see Jehovah Jesus, her Lord, in the verses of Psalm 8. What about you? I wonder, can you see Jehovah Jesus, God, the Son of God, who laid the foundations of the earth? The heavens are the work of his hands. Can you see him in Psalm 8, the one who was nailed to a cross? And lifted up to die. Bearing away the sins. Of all. Who would ever trust in him. Amen.